Check out Sport Calgary's This Week in Sport for the latest news and updates in Calgary's sports community. On all Calgary Flames games days, home and away, you can participate in the Calgary Flames Foundation 50-50 draws online. Go to www.calgaryflames.com slash 5050 to purchase your raffle tickets and watch the jackpot grow every Flames game day. Tickets are available from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Funds are directed to Southern Alberta charities, including the Calgary Flames Sports Bank and Flames Even Strength Program. Let's get into the game and support the Calgary Flames Foundation. Chance to win big. And the winner could be you. Must be over 18 and in Alberta to purchase. License number 570062. Sport Calgary presents the Face First Podcast with your hosts, Alicia Rissling and Grace Defoe. And here they are sliding right on in, Grace and Alicia. And welcome back to the Face First Podcast. My name is Alicia Riz Rizling, and I have with me my co-host, Grace Defoe. <laughs> and Grace, this is part two kind of of our, our interviews where we're going to be interviewing each other. So I'm actually just going to start from the beginning, Grace, because I want you to kick us off and tell me where you are right now. Yeah, so I am uh, in isolation in Calgary, um, and it's more of a preemptive isolation, I should say. I know that sometimes people think, oh, well, like, have you been exposed to COVID? Are you, you know, no, but we, similar to to you guys, before you left for Europe, we are being a little bit proactive and isolating, making sure we're away from all our family um, before we head off to compete in Park City. And that's just to mitigate any risk of, of being exposed as maybe someone who is asymptomatic, et cetera. So live in a hotel room from somewhere near the Calgary airport and be headed off for the next eight weeks or so um, after our isolation to race and train all around the tracks of North America. So looking forward to finally getting a late start to the season. No kidding. Nothing like starting halfway through January. Um, okay. So you, how long do you have to isolate for? And this is a team Canada rule. I know, I know the answer to this, but for our listeners, just explain um, maybe a little bit about, the arrangement and what has to happen before you're allowed to travel? Yeah. So I know I've gotten this question, like I said, a lot um, because yeah, they're like, well, why, why that rule? And why, um, why do you have to isolate? So the minimum is five days. I think by the time our flight leaves, it'll actually be closer to six days. Um, Or maybe, yeah, six days. Yeah. We checked in on a Saturday and we're leaving on, on the Friday. So um, it's just to make sure, like I said, that we, before we leave Canada, because if symptoms develop in the five days of isolation, then we're here, we can get the care we need, we can get tested easily, et cetera. And then, you know, you're not traveling and also put it unnecessarily putting other people at risk or your team at risk. Because after this, even though we're not like, um, we're not like in a bobsled, I guess, like, cause you guys are in like little nodes with your bobsled team. We're going to be in a pretty similar situation, even though we're not in a sled with them, we're kind of going to be put in groups of twos or threes. And um, they're kind of like our safe people, our cohort, if, if we will. So we're just making sure that anything, you know, if we've been to the grocery store, or we've seen our family, um, that we're just not going to put anyone at risk. Got it. Yeah. And so um, for people at home too this is a team Canada rule um i'm currently in europe and none of my other north american comrades had to do this 
Um, this is solely put in by On the Podium, which is our funding partner. And uh, they've done this because they are, from what I hear, sick of putting athletes in quarantine and having to pay for it. So um, I had to do it literally over Christmas uh, from the 21st to the 26th. Grace is now in December and Grace is now mid-January doing the same thing. Um, and then Grace, so you're going for eight weeks. You're going to two track, like, well, how does this work? How long are you going to each track for? Uh, yeah, so the first two North America's Cups, the first one's in Park City, and then we have to fly to Lake Placid um, because of New York State quarantine rules. We then have to isolate. I think by the time we get there, it'll be like four and a half days again, and that's just because, and that's actually expedited. Normally, I think the New York State has a lot longer of a quarantine, but because we're getting tested um, twice before the race, then we get to exit our quarantine a little bit sooner. Um, and then we'll be racing in Lake Placid. And then it sounds like we're going to have a training week at one of those two tracks. Um, just because, again, of quarantine rules, they want to make it worth the isolation and then getting down to the States. And then we're going to stay basically down in the States between those two tracks until mid-February. And then we're going to come home um, to Calgary. But we can actually go home. Um, we'll be in a similar, like, isolation hotel. Um and be a part of the Alberta pilot, whatever, border pilot testing. So then we'll have a mini quarantine until we get those two negative tests. And then we are then headed off to Whistler where we have a North America's Cup race, but then we're going to stay. It sounds like um, it's not confirmed as of quite yet, but we're going to stay and um, train out there a little bit to end off the season. And then we'll kind of be released from our training node. Um, so we're basically all coming together and after this, isolation and we're going to travel yeah for those six to eight weeks so nothing like uh four days notice of hey you're going to be gone until march 15th and maybe even march 22nd holy <laughs> yeah no kidding okay so my season is so short i'm done february 6th um so i got a total of seven weeks of season this year oh of competing i should say um on top of the the start of whistler but that that's wild to me so but Sounds like it's a good thing. Like it is worth the quarantine if they're going to give you an extra week of training. Um, for our listeners, usually what happens is when we get to a track, we only get one week of training and then we race on the weekend. But um, especially at the NAC, which is the North America's Cup level, it's always beneficial for those athletes, I think, to get the extra runs on the track and just have a better chance of becoming familiar with it um, before you have to race. I know I would have killed for that in St. Moritz. <laughs> um, I only got three and a half training runs and I'll say a half a run because my visor flipped up halfway through in the middle of a blizzard and I went blind for three hours. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't funny. I'm laughing, but it wasn't funny. Um, yeah. So Grace, you've what year of skeleton is this for you? I think you and I started pretty around at the same time, correct? Yeah, I started... Um, I took, so there was like this really, this big event called Passport to Sport that Wingsport put on. It would have been like January 2nd, 2012. Um, and it was like, I tried skeleton from like tourist start in Calgary. So corner 11 or something. And I met, well, John Montgomery was there, um, and was like, huh, you like, you seem like you have a good body type for skeleton. Um, just because it was like tall, kind of muscular, you know, kind of like same mm -hmm. and similar um I hadn't really trained that much 
up until that point, I was kind of like in a sedentary spot in my life. And, but I, but I was interested in skeleton and, and something had piqued my interest. So this free event came about. So I drove my butt up to Winsport and, um, and tried it really. I had been to Winsport before, um, I skated there in my last few years of figure skating, but I had never really explored what was past the, um, past the rinks. Um, so I ended up up at the track, tried it. And then basically from that moment on, I was like, sign me up. Like I had talked to the provincial sport organization, um, Alberta skeleton. And yeah, I just got, I got signed up for the skeleton school in October, 2012. So 2012, 15, 16, 17. You're like me, you're near nine. This oh, geez. Next year's my uh, decade anniversary then. You too, I guess. Wild. Um, that's awesome. So you started skeleton that early, and then when was it? Then you really like tried to make the jump to to get into the national program. Yeah. So I mean, I was told, "Oh, you'll never be good at this." I was pushing like in Calgary, like probably above six seconds from the top of the track. I crashed in three of our like provincial level races in my first year, first couple of years. Um, so my first two years were just with Alberta Skeleton. They run, I guess, they still run programming now through Whistler Science Center because we've lost Calgary. But at that point, we were training the provincial development team trained three times a week, and then the provincial team trained the other three nights of the week. And we had ice up at, you know, Winsport from like seven to 10 o'clock, whatever it was every night. And, um, yeah, so I spent the first couple years there, and I don't think I'd really actually considered, you know, I'd always dreamed of going to the Olympics, but I didn't really think that it was a possibility. And then um, I watched the Sochi Games. I was keenly tuned in to all all the sports, really. I'm a huge sports fan. Um, but then after, it became apparent that a lot of the, the athletes have been around kind of still from that Vancouver 2010 era, and they were all kind of retiring. And then, you know, you start to look at, um, I was kind of alerted by um, my coach at the time that there was a chance I might race in North America's Cup and kind of what that means. And I never really thought that was a possibility. So I got a probably about a month's notice then the next year. So this would have been September, October 2014. I was still in university at Mount Royal. And suddenly they're like, yeah, you're leaving for Park City like in three weeks. So buckle up you're going to go represent Canada. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I don't think I really thought about like how much of a possible pardon. Had you been to the track yet? No, I had only been to, (laughs) I've been to Calgary and then I slid from Whistler from corner three, um, in March of that year. So So you hadn't done an international race yet. Yeah. Okay. No. So this was kind of the first, um, you know, and sometimes like you look at in, your first year sliding you might like swap races out with other other people just because of like you know there's two spots and they want to divide them up or whatever there was so few I guess females that I I spent the entire year in North America's Cup that year um and it was a huge learning curve I was lucky to then come back to Calgary right after that and um and then and that it was a weird year they canceled like Placid so we had like two race stops in Calgary so four race stops four races in Calgary. So, I mean, it was very nice for my first year to be able to race at home and kind of figure out how to race, but still be in a familiar place. Um, And then what's so much about figuring out the track? 
Yeah, yeah, no, it was a little bit of a lift in, in that regard of just, okay, I can figure out like what it entails to be in an IBSF race. And then also not stress about learning a new track. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, that's exciting. Um, and then when, when did you say that you really feel like you, you became a part of the program and what did it take to get there? Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot in that in that story. Um, okay, start with so, what when? Okay, just go ahead. Tell me what you're gonna say. No, um, you can pick out the same one. Yeah, no, I there are, there's it's a roller coaster, definitely for sure. Um, so at that point, like I said, I was kind of like not. I'd really only started training, so I made the move to our, the past gym we trained at Revolution um, in. That would have been like eight months before I went to my first NAC. And that was the first time then I was in kind of like training for selection races. And so it was all very new to me, but, um, you know, I mean, there was lots of wisdom, I feel like at that gym and lots of experienced athletes that kind of helped guide me that summer into like actually what it means to actually train for a sport. Like, I mean, figure skating was, was rather light, I guess, on the strength and conditioning side. Like I didn't lift a lot of weights, it was more like body weight body awareness type stuff and also with my age during that time so I was like learning to Olympic lift and and learning I like learning how to run I hadn't really like sprinted I sprinted one season um in it's a really important school. skill <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> underrated so um yeah so I guess in that regard you know I, I hadn't really expected that first year in North America's Cup but I was still in the provincial program at that time and same with the next season. And part of that was also because I was in university um, and I too made a commitment to my education and I got a good, really good piece of advice from a past skeleton athlete, Lindsay Alcock. And she said, just finish your degree, finish your undergrad, and then you can go take skeleton wherever you want to take it. And then if you want to go to school after, or you get carded and you get money to put towards your education, you can get it can put it towards a master's or a certificate like master's certificate or something um so I really like I actually turned down a couple races in Europe during my in that 2015 ish season um I mean also because I like tried to cut my finger off in an avocado incident oh, and I in cast, that. So I, yes. yeah so I missed I missed por a por portion of the next North America's Cup season um but it kind of came at a good time just because I was able to to graduate um from my degree so oh man um this is where like I guess things get a little a little up and down so I would say that um would have been early 2016 I I really pushed even though I was in the provincial program I really pushed um Bob Sakano skeleton to allow me to go compete in world junior championships they were in Winterberg it was my last year I was eligible we aged out at um 23 in skeleton and I was like, I just want to say that I went to World Junior Championships and also that it was in Winterberg. So it was my first time I got to go to Europe. Um, and so like, and learn a track with no pressure. And it was like a short trip, kind of, a, kind of in a sense. And two of my other teammates were going, um, who were on the, who were in the national program. So I, I thought it was a really good opportunity. So they did allow me to go to that. And I guess from there, um, I made the, I made the top 20 in that. So, I mean, I was 19th and I feel like, um, anytime you make the top 20 in Europe in like a really big field and like the ECs or 
um, like Europa Cups or something like that, as a North American slider in your first time in Europe, you're like, oh, like money. That was amazing. I would would 100% agree with you. Um, Just for our listeners, the Europa Cups are much, 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 much more competitive than the North America's Cups just solely because of how many athletes enter. Um, in North America, there's only four tracks over a lot of territory and the sliding sports just don't have as heavily as recruitment. In Europe, there's a sliding, it seems like there's one every three hours. So there's a lot more athletes present. So good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. So I guess in that, um, that set me up in 2016. Um, over that off season, I feel like I got pretty close to the running standard despite, you know, I probably was three tenths off the running standard a couple of years prior. Um, and people had told me, oh, you'll never run the standard. Um, this like elusive running standard we had, they, they told me that I would never be able to do it. So I would, I was never going to make the team because it was a new thing they had put in place after the Sochi Olympics. So I was like, okay, well, whatever, keep training. But my first just couple years of racing just got me so hooked, um, that I really did go all in, you know, I, I committed with, with my co my strength coach at the time. I'm like, just take like tell me what I need to do. Like, I will come to the gym X amount of however many days you think I should come, et cetera. Whatever it takes. Like, yeah, whatever it takes. I was like, I'll be there. And so I actually ended up running the, the sprinting standard that summer. And from there, I was uh, invited to our Canadian selection races in Whistler for the first time ever. So that was also something different was I never raced in our Canadians there. Um, because before when we had Calgary, we would do it in Whistler and then go back to Calgary. And it was like, a, it was a series. Now it's more of a <laughs> go to one track and, and see what happens. But, um, yeah, from there, I guess in 2016, like the fall of 2016, I was kind of considered in the national development, like stream. We didn't really have a program at the time because of like how little funding we had. Um, and so that was kind of like the first time I got a taste of that. I got to go do some Europa Cups that year. It was really awesome. I felt like I was riding such a high. And then I kind of spent the next year, um, I was kind of like deselected because I was in a car accident and I had a, I rolled my ankle at, at track practice. Um, and it was like, kind of like the first, like somewhat bigger injury I've, I've had, um, I mean, it was pretty minor, like I didn't like tear anything, but like I couldn't necessarily walk that well or run. Um, so that was kind of a rough year. So then I was deselected for the kind of like couple of years after that. And so then I made a return, I guess, to like our national development program in um, October of 2019. And then I've kind of been in that in that stream ever since. So it, <laughs> when, I, when I say that's and a big with, question. And with a vengeance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. race keeps getting better every year our running standard for females um in both of our our sliding sports is you have to run 30 meters in 4.2 seconds and grace said a pv this year she just keeps getting better and uh now she has a couple couple wins on her belt too eh a couple wins didn't you win an america's cup at one point oh well yeah so that was actually prior to oh, most of it yeah, most of my America's Cup results were in those first couple of years. Um, I ended up third overall in North America's Cup my first season, so that 2014-15 season, which was which was like a dream. I didn't even know. They, were, they started, they presented all the medals, and then they do the 
um, overall after. And I was like, why, what are we doing again? I didn't know. No one told me. And then they called my name and I was like, what? <laughs> it was, uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Cause like my mom was there and, um, and so it was like, a, it got to be at home, which was extra special. And then, yeah, I had just won that weekend. Um, I had won one race in Calgary, um, which was, I was sitting, I think in second or third after the, sec- after the first heat. And then I came down and got to kind of listen to the person come down and they, they dropped behind me. Um, they beat me the day before. So I mean, that's racing. And yeah, in that kind of lost period of, um, when I say I was like deselected, I did still race one North America's cup in Whistler in that 2017, November, 2017, despite having like probably a 2,500 slower push than I have right now. And what a coach told me at the bottom of the track, a slow sled. Um, as I was waiting for sled check after I just won the race, um, I thought that was pretty rich. (laughs) Um, so I mean, uh, that was like I, I have had a very up and down relationship with, with with the Whistler track, but that was definitely like a high of like, yeah, conquering it a little bit for that one one weekend. Awesome. So Grace, what what what's your goal? Do you have a, a specific sport specific goal? Is there an Olympic dream in there? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, people people say like, oh, well, do you dream of going to the Olympics? And I think the answer is the. I wouldn't have made all the choices I guess I've made in sport to come this far and not, not dream of going to the Olympics. But I also know how strong our Olympic or like our women's program is right now. And and we have three returning Olympians in our program still as long as well as um, a couple of other females in front of me that are like incredibly strong as well that have raced kind of that um, intercontinental cup and, you know, done a couple world cups as well. So while recognizing our women's program is very strong, I also, you know, my development was kind of hampered a little bit in those few years. So I feel like I didn't get to grow as much as I, as I wanted. So I, I had said quite a few years ago, um, and this is why I was such a big proponent for Calgary 2026 is that I always thought that that's like, to me, that's my goal is to go to the Olympics in 2026. So I was like, super like, come on, Calgary. Yeah, but I mean, Italy doesn't sound so bad either. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it, it'll be a little bit, hopefully, I mean, I'll get to experience it, but that that's more of the goal for me. And, and the other respect is just like, I'm newer to the national team. Like I said, this is only my second season. So I'm just trying to be better and, you know, like really hone in my driving, really hone in my equipment, um, my, like, like you said, my sprinting has gotten a lot better, but I'm still trying to transfer it into my push to be just a little bit faster. Um, I'm not the most genetically gifted in the push, but I mean, I can be competent and have good equipment and, and develop a drive. So kind of just trying to mix all three together for the next few years. Yeah. And you'll never know what you can do until you try it. Right. Um, keep pushing. I know I'm, I'm rooting for you. Uh, um, my next question was, um, how do you manage your day? Because you work full-time. It's full-time, correct? Maybe talk a little bit about how you are incredible at time management because and what you do and how it affects your sliding season. Yeah, so um, I live and die by my calendar. Um, if something's not in my calendar, I am likely to forget it. 
Um, and I have like my iCloud calendar, but then I also have my, my work Google calendar. So it's very important for me to decide in my personal calendar and then block off the time in my work calendar, just to make sure that obviously, um, I, like I've said, my work is really, really, really flexible. Um, I wouldn't have taken the job I got offered. So I, I, I work at Classroom Champions. Um, I had, I started as an athlete intern, um, for mostly for free for my first couple months and I got a couple honorariums. And that was in that off period when I said, like, I was deselected from the team. I got offered this internship and I was like, well, what else am I doing? Um, you know, I was working a couple other, like, small jobs. But I really was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to race this year, I might as well do something. Um, so I took that. And from there, I took a couple months off after the internship ended. And I think I took Steve Messler for, or we went for coffee, like, three times over that summer. And I was like, if there's any projects coming up, you know, I know your company, I, I know the nonprofit. I just obviously wrapped up my internship there and out of the blue, you know, he kind of called me. It was like, there's a project that I, I think you should come back for and, and, and consult for us. Um, and so I ended up then kind of working, setting out like a set hour schedule. Um, like this is my cap of hours a week. And this is then that we worked out obviously how much is going to be paid, et cetera. But it was kind of lucky that I got to consult for a little bit. And then during the pandemic, they were hiring um, in our education department, um, which we now call the impact team, which we work directly with like the teachers and, and kids. And then the other half of, of my team works with athletes like Alicia and um <laughs> And coordinating and making sure that they all come together and experience our program. So um, I applied for that. It's more of a customer service position. And yeah, I ended up getting it. So it was actually the first time that I worked like 40 hours a week while training this summer. Um, so it became everything that? that I practiced How in terms of like, pardon? How difficult was that? Oh, well, so this is where I actually think I wouldn't have been as successful this off season if I didn't have that balance um, because it kind of gave me structure and it made me also like every moment of training that I got away from my, from work, I like seized it a hundred percent. You know, I was at track and that hour and a half that I blocked off for track, I made sure that I made the most of that hour and a half. So it's tough because like, Sometimes I would like Normatec, like the compression therapy, for those that don't know, in bed while working when I got home from track because I would have a double session to then go to strength at like four o'clock kind of after my work day ended. Um, so sometimes I work from, I know it's not like the best, but I was like, I'll, I just need to lay down and work. Um, so yeah, calendar management is a big one, but also recognizing I have everything lovely color coded and it's kind of like. This was a piece of advice I got from um, one of my naturopaths many years ago. And it kind of was like set out boundaries of how many hours you would put towards something. So like, for an example, like promotional um, stuff, like doing free when we could doing like free talks at schools or like a kid sport event, I would put in the, my like promotional kind of stuff, like volunteering um, in a sense you know, I, I cap those out at a certain number of hours per week. And it depends that hour, that hour like cap changes depending on whether it's in season, off season, or like that awkward 
season where we take like four or five weeks off, um, you know, I'm happy to do a lot more in that, in that time frame. So it's just making sure that I have boundaries and I'm not like biting off more than I can chew because of how, I guess, just how much I have going on. Um, but in that respect, like my work is really awesome about, um, we have a flexible PTO policy. So I don't have a set number of vacation days a year. I just like, you just have to meet your, your performance indicators, like just like sport, <laughs> you have to prove that you're still doing work and still doing good work. Um, but I can take off however many days I need. And really realistically, it's not like I'm going on vacation. I'm using them to race. Um, but I, but I think that's like a really awesome work-life balance or work-life sport balance that they've, they've put on. Because when I, when I applied for this position, I was like, if you're not okay with me traveling and competing, then, then I'm not the right candidate. Um, because I still was like very clear that I was still committed to sport. So yeah, color coding your calendar and making sure you don't overcommit yourself would be my biggest two pieces of advice. Wow. Yeah. I just learned so much about boundaries. I might have to invest in some. And it also helps that you do work for an amazing company who has an Olympic gold medalist, Bob Slutter, as a CEO. So that that does help. Um, but it sounds like you found, you set yourself up pretty nicely and I'm kind of jealous. And now I want to go get a job that I can have a work-life balance from. <laughs> um, Grace, so we've talked a little bit about your Olympic dreams and your story of rising to who you are. Why don't we end off with you telling us uh, another maybe like fun fact, such as who are you going to miss the most when you're away competing? Oh my gosh. Well, who am I going to miss the most? Um, There's only one answer to this and he has four legs. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Ivy, my dog, is definitely like, I, I miss her a lot when I'm gone. Um... Sorry, Brendan. Brendan, my boyfriend, um, <laughs> is holding down the fort while I'm gone. Um, I did post a picture of us on Instagram, um, of all three of us, and he said, thanks for not cropping me out of the picture. Because <laughs> I said, leaving home is the worst or something like that, going to miss my crew. And he said, yeah, thanks for not cropping me out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I miss just, like, being home. And, and Calgary is such a great city. I do miss it. But at the end of the day, too, it is, like, it's like a business trip. I'm not traveling. I'm definitely not choosing to travel frivolously during a pandemic. Um, pretty much going to be stuck in our rooms and at the track, I'm sure pretty similar to, to what you have going on. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's hard, but at the end of the day, it also, it becomes easier every week because you're just like, you set your mind to, um, that you have a, you have a job to do and, and stuff to accomplish goals to accomplish. And, you know that it wouldn't if that it's going to bring me closer to my goal and the sacrifice i hate the word sacrifice but the, the sacrifice is worth it and and they my family very much understands so it's not like i've been able to see my family much in the last couple of months because of restrictions so i was like hopefully i'll just come back and we'll at least be able to like hang out with my direct family somewhere warm outside somewhat warm yeah well, that, that's definitely something to hope for. Eight weeks, who knows where we're going to be in eight weeks. But that, I like that positive thinking. We'll leave on that. Grace, I wish you the the utmost luck. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, compete hard. I know you will. Um, and I can't wait to see you back on that podium. And to everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Face First podcast.
yeah thanks for having me and thanks for um thanks for tuning in to our listeners we're looking forward to bringing some guests back on after these but i think it's fun that you know our listeners got to know each of us it's a little bit better perfect okay thanks everyone Looking to listen to Sport Calgary's podcast on the go? Be sure to follow the Face First podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, free to download on all iOS and Android devices. Canadian Pacific was founded in 1881 and was formed to physically unite Canada and Canadians from coast to coast. Today, CP is a transcontinental railway in North America providing rail services to key markets in every corner of the globe. Giving back to the communities they operate through is important for CP. Since 2014, their focus has been on cardiac health. Through their CP Has Heart program, CP has helped raise over $23.3 million for cardiac causes across North America. Physical activity is very important to heart health. CP is proud to sponsor Goals for Kids with the Calgary Flames, a program which benefits minor hockey, Calgary, and kids sport. For each home goal by the Flames, CP donates $500. Since 2007, CP has donated over $215,000 to kids sport. CP would like to remind everyone listening that February is Heart Month and encourage everyone to stay active, eat healthy, and have fun.